Blog Talk Radio.
good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Bachelor News Radio uh, show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and WCOM and uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We thank them for broadcasting this bad boy. Uh, 646-929-0130 is the number to get in touch with us uh, on the line. If you have a question, comment, or concern, our chat room is open as well. Online, if you're listening on blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA hyphen bachelor, the chat room's open. You can make your questions and comments known there on uh, Facebook at Pad Nation, Pad Nation the number two at Twitter, Instagram at LA Bachelor, or email me at LA Bachelor 40 at gmail.com. A lot to get to. Want to go to my guest. Always good to have her on on these uh, airwaves and some of these uh, very tough issues. She's a licensed psychologist in Connecticut, Massachusetts. She's a best-selling author as well, and a all-around a great woman and a good colleague and friend of this program. Uh, she's Dr. Barbara Levine. And Dr. Dr. Barb, I appreciate you coming on, and I hope all is well with you, ma'am. Thank you. Good to be here. My electricity is back, so it's good. I'm good. It's very good. Yeah, good. That's a blessing. I'm glad. Uh, my sister up there didn't, didn't have any issues in New Haven, but I guess it, it went in some parts of the state up that way. So um, so I wanted to bring you on because, uh, you know, a lot has been said about what's been going on with our hospitals, uh, with our emergency rooms in terms of uh, them being overwhelmed and in some cases unprepared because this virus is – this is something new for everybody, but I don't. I, I think what's not being talked about, discussed, Dr. Barb, is the mental health aspect of this. That, according to the Washington Post and other uh, places, in doing the research on this, um, mental health issues, mental health concerns, and complaints, mental health. Uh, patients, um, which has been including um, issues that some doctors uh, uh, like yourself have been talking about with depression and substance abuse and uh, post-traumatic stress and disorder and even suicide because of coronavirus has not been uh, being addressed, certainly addressed by a professional like yourself and your colleagues, but not just in the mainstream media, but it just seems to be under appreciated and, and concerned and, and looked upon. Um, so talk about that because on the physical, obviously, uh, you can die from this pandemic. Um, but people are very, very uh, distraught. And that distraught, if you will, is leading to some some fatalities and some very concerning issues that I'm sure you've already come across. Well, yes, it's a pretty broad issue, and it is a major crisis within the country. I don't know if many people are reporting about it, but the number of people calling and asking for help has multiplied. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's, in, in my practice, I've never seen anything quite like it. Um, mm. I'm, I've been a provider with Doctor on Demand from when they started, so I've done online therapy for five or six years on Doctor on Demand, and I've had a private practice out of out of my home office as well. And on Doctor on Demand, I've 
every time, if first of all, my, my caseload is full to the brim. And if someone cancels within 24 hours, there's another new client who is, who is grabbed the session. And it's, and it is not just my caseload, it's every clinician across the United States is feeling this. So the number of people that are feeling stressed and, and overwhelmed and, and anxious and depressed has increased exponentially. Um, people don't think about mental health providers as being on the front line since we're not right. working face-to-face but we are on the front line. And I think Absolutely. That, that what has happened is the world got turned upside down in March, certainly in, in New England faster than in the rest of the country, but, but it, it, in waves it's happening across the nation. And it's led to, unlike other kinds of crises, normally when something terrible happens, we band together. Uh, a fire erupts, people come out, a, a, a car, even a car crash. When people see that there's been an accident, people get out of their cars and they go and they help, even if they're not medics. Sometimes they pull people from flaming cars. Sometimes they, you know, they, they push a car that's turned upside down and turn it, turn it right side up because naturally, intuitively, we want to help one another. Sure. And... In this situation, because of medical advice, to stay at home, to stay six feet apart, to wear masks, to be careful about getting to you know in getting exposed to the illness, we are we have had to distance in ways that we're not accustomed to. So, so that our normal systems that help us to deal with crises and with anxiety are backwards. They're, we're being told, you know, shelter in place, don't move, don't go out. And, and it, it sort of goes against all of our human desire to help one another. Instead, we have to find ways to help each other through the phone lines, through Zoom calls through, you know, FaceTime, uh, talking to family at a distance. Uh, even, even when someone's in the hospital, you can't visit there. And so, you know, again, when bad things happen, we tend to band together and help one another. We go to the hospital to visit people when they're sick. We don't stay away normally. And so the, our, our lives have been turned upside down. We don't quite know how to support one another. And we're learning as we go. We're figuring it out. And it, it is unsettling. It, teaching kids how to handle it is, is another factor that we have to figure out. We, children normally, you know, they, they hold hands. They, they play games together. They get close. And they're being told, be, be careful. Don't get close to that person. Be, you know, it's a little bit, it's worse than be afraid of strangers. It's even be afraid of people that you love. You, you need to stay, stay away from grandma and grandpa. You might get them sick. You don't know if you're sick. And so we're, we're having to figure out a whole new language and a whole new way of connecting, of, of holding one another, of supporting one another. And anyone that was suffering from anxiety or depression before all this 
is is feeling it even more. So every every human being is feeling it across <clears throat> the world. It's not it's not that anyone is sick because they're anxious about it. It is normal to be worried and anxious and and concerned. Add to it if you were were anxious before, it will multiply and be even worse. Uh, well, let me ask you this, uh, Doc, I, because I I understand what you're saying in terms of um, not physically maybe uh, getting sick, um, but uh, th- this report I was looking at, there's um, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation poll, nearly half of Americans report that coronavirus is harming their mental health. According to that mm-hmm. poll, a federal emergency hotline for people in emotional distress registered a more than, to your point, 1,000% increase going back wow. to, to, wow. to April. And now, roughly last month, it says 20,000 people. 20,000 people text that hotline uh, run by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Um, talk space is up 65% and, and online therapy. I mean, the numbers are going through the roof. So right. it, it may not be sort of a, a physical and what we see, you know, it's a, it, it attacks your immune system and, and your upper respiratory issues and people underlying and all of that. But, but it could lead to, um, if not some kind of, uh, fatality, but some some either new therapy or some longer lasting therapy based on this. Like you said, it's it's, it's normal to be angry and, and and have anxieties, but this 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 thing is taking on a whole different perspective, and I think that it's being under covered and under discussed. Uh, because you guys are uh, um, the first line of defense for people who who have these mental issues or develop some some type of issues because of this virus. Yeah. Well, here's here's what helps me to understand it. What we know in traumatic events, when some when when a hurricane occurs, when a when a tsunami occurs, when 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 a, a, a violent attack happens, it hits the population on a normal curve that unless it happens in one area where many people are emotionally disturbed, which could happen, like if it hit a psychiatric hospital, it would, it would be a different phenomenon. But what's right. happening is this is hitting the entire world, a normal curve. And there are people who are stronger and who are more resilient, and there are people who are weaker and less resilient in that normal curve. And then there are people in between, from, from the high level functioning to the very low level and everything in between. And so when a traumatic event occurs, we, we assume that it's hitting everyone across the board and we try to help those that are the most impacted first. The closer you are to the actual event, the worse the impact. I mean, people who were at 9-11 who were in the buildings were impacted the most as opposed to those of us who were outside and watching it on TV. But we were all traumatized. And what's happening with this pandemic is we're all being traumatized and we're going through 
figuring out how to adjust to this traumatic event that's ongoing. It doesn't stop on a dime. 9-11 happened and then people were worried and anxious for a year, at least, worried that maybe it would happen again, but it wasn't recurring over and over again. And, and until we get this pandemic under control, until we have a vaccine, it is a recurring event that is traumatizing all of us. And therefore, I believe mental health workers are going to be helping healthy people as well. The majority of people are healthy. They're just trying right. to cope with an unhealthy situation, with a, with a traumatic situation. And what we know for prevention is the more we can help people now, as close to the event as possible, the better their survival and their, their lack of long-term traumatic impact will be. And so I've been doing everything in my power to respond as much as I can. I've, I wrote a book to help children and parents talk about what's happening because the more they can understand what's happening, the better they can cope with what's going on and the better their parents can explain it to them. I'm working on another book to talk to adults about how to survive this crazy time. And, and again, I'm working as fast as I can using my skills and my knowledge from other traumatic events that I've, that I've been involved in and help people with. From when I lived in Israel and there were wars and terrorist attacks to 9-11, the Boston Marathon bombing, uh, uh, Sandy Hook. I've, I've been I've been involved through through Cigna and Magellan in critical incidents and helping people to cope with these kinds of traumatic events. This trauma is sure. slightly different, and we have to figure out as we go how to help as many people as possible. I think it's more like the Great Depression that lasted for quite a while and led to people being very distraught, led to losses of jobs led to poverty and and it has the impact of the great depression has impacted the next two or three generations of people hoarding not being sure if they they should leave jobs things like that that the the anxiety from the great depression is felt even by those who did not were not alive during the great depression and i think that that's the kind of impact that this this traumatic event will have on the other hand, there are ways to turn trauma into, tra- into post-traumatic growth, not just post-traumatic stress. That's what I'm hoping to help people do, is to find ways to grow and thrive and, and be resilient through this crisis. And, the mo- and there, are, there are certain lessons we can learn from other traumatic events that because we feel helpless, the more we can do something, the more we understand what's going on, the less helpless we feel. And that can prevent some of the after effects of traumatic events. The more we can help others, the more we feel stronger and more resilient and, and helpful and less depressed. So there are certain things that we can learn from trauma work with other kinds of trauma that can help all of us to do better and to make it through and make things work as best they can, making the best of the bad situation. 
Absolutely. If you're just joining us, we'll talk with Dr. Barbara Levy here on the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and our uh, sister station, WCOM, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Doc, you, you wrote the book, and it may sound as a redundant question to you, but for the sake of our audience, and maybe it missed um, that information and, and information you've been giving out so so well and eloquently over the weeks since this, this COVID-19 uh, it, it children may seem to me, at least, Doc, you know better than I, to be the most vulnerable in terms of the impact of, I mean, they're, they're resilient, they bounce back, they're young, they can get over things eventually, but in terms of, like you said, not being able to see their friends, social uh, experiences and interaction is important, especially for kids at, at adolescent age, they're trying to mature and they have to learn how to, to, to get along and, 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 and be around other people and other cultures. They can't do that in cases, I know my kids are starting off virtual in school, and they can't be around their grandparents and their cousins and other people, like you said. Now they're even saying that, you know, uh, we should wear masks within our own homes with our family. Um, so how do you help them? More importantly, how do you help a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a five-year-old who really doesn't understand why they can't be with their grandmother that gives them that candy all the time, and they just can't be with them. How do you explain to the ones that really can't understand what's going on? How can parents teach them? You use the language of we're doing things for now to protect one another. We're wearing masks because it protects grandma and grandpa. It will help to make sure that no one gets sick. And you, you say it in language that they can understand. You know, if even you might have some, some illness like a cough that, that for you may not cause any harm, but for grandma and grandpa, because they're older, it might cause harm. So we have to stay distant now. And it may be a while. And, and, but it's not forever. We're just doing this until we have some cures, until we have treatments and a vaccine. And it will take some time. This is a long haul. This is a marathon, not a, not a sprint. And we all have to sort of work through our grief that, that the world and the life that we thought we would have, the trips that we would have, the vacations, the graduation ceremonies, the, the other activities that we enjoy are going to happen in different ways or may not happen. Um, I was, uh, because of the, the power outage, I was by the Westport library and charging my phone and, and computer and doing internet. And they were, they were setting up in a parking lot pretty far away, an outdoor concert with a wonderful, wonderful band called Mystic Bowie that I happen to know. They're kind of a reggae. They're wonderful. I mean, if you can look them up, they're, they're based in, uh, not New Haven, I think in Bridgeport. And or, or okay. Norwalk, and they're great. And they did an outdoor concert where people, they were sold out two nights in a row with people coming in their cars and by the car load. And, 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 and so they were, they, the people are figuring out how to have concerts, how to have, you know, graduations. I, I saw in, in Florida, one of my relatives graduated high school 
and they did they did it again with a sort of like a with a, a big video screen like a, a movie theater outdoors in their cars and when they when they drove out of the parking lot um they had above the road uh, congratulations to the name of the kid who was getting their diploma and and the teachers handed the diploma through their car windows and again it's not as as wonderful as as regular graduations but they won't forget that one either <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a unique experience and they'll talk about it all their lives about how during the pandemic graduations were done differently and and classes were done differently and there are sometimes we're even finding in mental health it's interesting i had one person tell me that they had tried therapy many times before in person and never felt comfortable and felt like they couldn't get ready and dressed and out and they were anxious as it was and they stuck in therapy and are doing some really good work online that they never did before they they couldn't do it before mm. so i i i'm constantly looking for what are the positives what are the lessons we can learn from this a client said to me she's they they live near the fairfield beach and and she saw a mother with her kids walking and, and collecting seashells. And she thought, I haven't seen people doing that for a long time. Or you see people riding bikes with their kids. You, you didn't see as much of it before. And parents are, are maybe interacting in, with their kids in a different way because they're home and they're working from home and they're making time and effort. That their children may remember this period as a time when they had special times with dad and mom that were unique and wonderful. And they played board games that dad and mom never had time for before. And so we, it's too soon to know the total, you know, what's going to happen in the long run. I don't want to be an alarmist. I believe that there are ways that we can help people through this. I, I looked online um, I'm, there's a there's a Facebook group for coronavirus parenting, and I've been watching it. And they're, they're very very active, and lots of people are getting support from one another. And one woman wrote about a, a resource that she has for parents on 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 another group that she sponsors. And I looked, I started looking using the you know coronavirus support, and there were hundreds of groups all over the country with varying sizes from the tens of thousands to the to a few hundred. And they're all mm. over the place. So people are reaching out and finding one another and doing things to support one another through this. And that but, Doc, before, let me just ask you this real quick because we're running out of time. Um, you, you, we talk about anxiety and, and, and fears and anger being natural, something that you, I'm sure, deal with. But what about the anger and the different dynamics as it relates to this? Um, the, the, the problem is, it seems, that because of misinformation, because mm-hmm. of uh, people getting angry because some people are not wearing masks, which people feel like, okay, you're prolonging this thing because you're not – uh, being responsible, uh, some people are getting angry that people are wearing masks. So anger is just going all over the place because on both sides, the different sides. How do you how do you, deal, how do you counsel that 
and keep it constructive where people aren't harming themselves because of it, doing anything irresponsible, lashing out physically and otherwise. How do you, you kind of coddle that type of uh, anger in this particular uh, case with COVID-19? Ice, ice anger is connected to, it's basically connected to fear. I think that even those who are fighting the mask, it's a kind of fear, a kind of, if anything, it's a defense mechanism of denial. That if you deny mm. that something is happening, if you pretend that it's not real, and people are reminding you that it's real, then you get scared and you don't want to feel scared and so you're fighting it. I think the only thing that can help and is, is that you work with your politicians, you work with your, your, your city and town governments to, to follow, the, follow the science. I, I know I have a relative in Colorado and their numbers were going up and their, their, their governor is a, is a Democrat, but he's really an, an independent. He's, he's kind of a libertarian and he didn't want to have the, the masks, you know, the law. But when the, when the numbers went up, he, he went ahead and forced the law and the numbers have gone back down within, within weeks, seriously. And and so you find articles about the success stories and you, you show people, look, this is what happens when people wear masks. It, 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 it works. We know that from the, 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 pen, the Spanish flu pandemic, you know, it, mm. and, you know, a hundred years ago, they knew that masks helped and they didn't have as much scientific research or, or ability to prove it. But we've got numbers that are showing that when you do it right, it makes a difference. Look at New York. Their numbers are down. They're down seriously. They're the only state in the country that, they're, that, that it looks like they're, they're going to be within the range that's recommended for school to go back. I spoke with someone in Israel, and they went back to school too quickly at 2% positive testing, and they recommend below 1%. And the numbers started going up. They had to close the school again. And they're try, going to try again in the fall with lots of testing. And they're going to start with the younger children in smaller pods, school pods, so that with testing, if anyone's sick, they quickly can stop it. And the older kids who can study from home and do online learning with more ease and can be at home alone, they're going to have online. So there are different right. ways. They also have lots of testing, and they have free hotels for, for people that, that test positive and have no symptoms. So they have the, the government is paying for people to stay in the empty hotels that nobody wants to visit, and, and, and people are going in until they're, they're virus-free. So there are ways that if the government was leading – we could make a difference, and we could get this a handle on this. And it's not perfect. There's no perfect system, but we can learn from the scientists and from the from the advice of the scientists. And the misinformation, unfortunately, is doing harm, and it's leading to those who want to be in denial to to be angry when they see people with masks. But 
the Nile, you know, when you see that the people that are going out without masks are dying after the Tulsa, you know, uh, talk, pep talk. Rally. Mm-hmm. Without mm-hmm. The rally without masks, then it's got to break through some of this denial that people are, are carrying around and thinking that, that masks don't make a difference. They do make a difference. They protect everyone else. And there's, there's even research that shows how much it protects. If you wear a mask, if the other person wears a mask, if both people wear masks, what, what, what the difference is. And, and it, it, sure. they help. So yeah. again, I, uh, I think we can learn. I think we can survive this, but I think that my profession is going to be busy for quite a while, helping people yeah. find, find that silver lining and the way to, survive this and thrive through this and i will write my thoughts and and suggestions as quickly as i can so it can get out there too um but a lot of people are working on it at once and hopefully we will get through this i think we will and uh doc with your your help i really appreciate your time let people know how they can reach out to you the the uh, books that you have out because i think it's very important for people to, to have uh, that support, um, and and if they can't get the support from you directly, um, you can, you know, uh, certainly uh, encourage them to get that that support. And support could just be coming from talking to people, as you you said yeah. many times on this broadcast. Right. Well, the the book for children is Rama, the loneliest Lama, and if you go to to Facebook and, and put in Rama the Loneliest Lama, you'll come to the page for that book and and hit the shop now and it will download it for free. There's no cost. Um, I'm going to put it out on, on um, Amazon and that will be a, a printed book but that and that'll be at a, at a fee, but that's that's not ready yet. And the and the, the the free downloadable one will be there. I'm not taking it off. It'll be there forever. Um, my my website is actnowpsychotherapy.com, uh, and I'm Dr. Barbara Levy. So, you know, I'm more than willing to help whomever I can. I'm also working on a project. Um, uh, what? Why Black Lives Matter to me, which is a project for kids to help them to to express their feelings about the Black Lives Matter movement. And that's coming, it, it will be in October, and it's organizing now. Dr. Levy, as always, I appreciate your time, your your input and insight is profound. Thank you so much, and uh, be careful. God bless. I'll talk with you soon. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Thanks, Doc. All right, you too. Dr. Barbara Levy, of course, always good to have her on. She's a licensed psychologist in Connecticut, Massachusetts, best-selling author, uh, coming on talking about the the anxieties, the angers, the the fear that goes into COVID-19 and how people can cope with, it, especially uh, kids who are just taken out of their norm. And you want to have your kids into a norm. Um, so they can feel safe and, and consistent, and that's not happening in a lot of cases with COVID-19. Take a quick break, get to our next guest right here on the Bassett News Radio Show, on the Bassett News Radio Network, and WCOM in Chapel Hill.
Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. And uh, this is the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bastard News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill, uh, 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Hit us up on Pad Nation, the Facebook, Pad Nation 2, at Twitter. That's the number two. Uh, Instagram at LA Bachelor. And uh, online, you, the uh, chat room is open. You can make your uh, thoughts known there. I want to bring in my next guest, patiently waiting on the line. I appreciate that. Uh, syndicated talk show host, best-selling author, and of course a political scientist by nature and by profession. He is Dr. Wilbur J. Leon, the third. And Doc, I appreciate you making the house call as always, sir. I'm humbled as always when you call. Glad to talk. Glad to serve. What's happening? Listen, I, I had to have you on. I mean, this 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 dude occupying the White House. And, and 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 this is why people need to do their homework to understand um, that you know what he did on uh, Saturday uh, signing these executive orders that had no real money or any substance to it. People need to understand not just the way the the government works, but just to understand the, the political part of this with this clown that put this out. And I want you to debunk those things, starting with. Um, the so-called additional uh, or extra $400 a week in expanded benefits that he he signed as a memorandum uh, a memorandum uh, on Saturday. First, he doesn't have the power to purse to do so. Second, he's at, even if he did hypothetically, um, he's asking the states. States were essentially broke to pay 25% of that $400. Address that, Dr. Leon, please. Well, let's approach this a slightly different way. Okay. Uh, I don't think it was quite as boneheaded of a move as a lot of people are saying that it was or is. Here's why. He he pulls Mitch McConnell out. Uh, think Mitch McConnell was initially negotiating the deal. Right. He pulls Mitch out, and he sends in Mnuchin and Steve Miller. I think it was Steve Miller. It wasn't Steve Miller? It was the other dude? Uh, uh, Steve Mnuchin. Mm-hmm. No, it's Mnuchin and um, uh, um, the uh, his predecessor as uh, uh, Meadows. I think okay. It was a, yeah, it was Mark Bell. Okay. It, 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 okay. Mm. So he sends them in to negotiate with the Democrats. The Democrats are originally demanding a three trillion dollar package. They get down to he gets them down to two trillion, and Meadows or 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 Mnuchin pounds on the table and walks out the room and says, "We ain't talking to you anymore." So he's already got him off of a trillion dollars. Right. And and so now he's saying to them, now come back to the table and negotiate. So it might not – we don't know yet because the deal has not been struck. But this might be a bigger play than he's getting credit for. If he gets the Democrats back to the table negotiating from the $2 trillion move 
instead of see now if if the if the Democrats hold hold Pat and say no we came down a trillion I mean you know what they're saying right now we came down a trillion we're holding here but you know Mitch McConnell you know uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi and 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 what's his what's his name from New York they don't have no Schumer guts. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. yeah Schumer they don't have no guts I'd say something else but it's a family show. <laughs> they don't. They don't have. They don't have any soccer balls, so <laughs> in their bag. So, <laughs> so, um, um, so it's not. And, and and here's the other thing. When when you look at him saying the states are going to have to pay, what states is he talking about? He's talking primarily about blue states. Because we're right. well, let me put it another way. What states are going to suffer the most behind a deal like this, where he's saying the states are going to have to put up more? It's blue states, mm-hmm. and right. here's why: most of your urban centers are where blue states. Yeah, and you're going and you're going to start to see in September state governments furloughing employees. And that impact is going to be felt more in blue states than red states because blue states are where most of your urban centers are located. So right. when you start looking, he may have he. This might not be as big of a boneheaded play as as people are saying it is, and. Back to your original question, of course he doesn't have the authority uh, to do what he did, but he didn't have the authority really to do what he did when he moved the money to pay for the wall. But the Supreme Which Court has already he, come out and said he could do it. Right. So he. But you know so what? He, he, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Final, final sentence. Yep. He winds yep. up looking good amidst all of this confusion. He's able to sit there and tell people, well, I gave you, I, I, you know, I, this, this was my offer. I did what I could do, but the Democrats, you know how they are. They just won't come. So it, I, all I'm saying is it, the game isn't over yet, but it might not be as boneheaded of a move as folks try to make it out to be. Well, that's why I said it, it, it's, it, yeah, it doesn't hold any weight, but politically, it was a good move for him. Now, the question is, I don't know, maybe you do, can the Democrats sue him and yet try to get something passed with the Senate at the same time? Or is he going to well, just you, veto it? And it, I mean, in terms of getting something passed. When you say sue him, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I'm he... Not quite... he, uh, he he doesn't have he doesn't have the the legal constitutional right to try to pass four hundred dollars extension uh, an extension of any kind because he doesn't hold the purse and right. and the 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 point oh, of it so is that Pelosi and may right right to take him to court is what I mean so would they okay. do that and still be able to try to pass. You know, pass a bill. Will he sign it if they do that? I mean, it's it's so it's a good move for him. It's a it's a mess for for both actually the Senate and the the the, the uh, House. I think. 
Uh, yes, they could do. They could try to do both, but um, I seriously doubt that they would. And it, because you know, and 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 I doubt that he would sign it because he's a very vindictive person. He wouldn't even go to John right. Lewis's funeral. Right. But John Lewis didn't come to the inauguration. So, um, so would he, would he sign it or not? I, I doubt it simply because he's a he's a very vindictive person. Unless things got to be so critical that he was pressured by McConnell and the others and uh, Mnuchin and them that he had to, that he had to do it. But it, it, it will not surprise me if the Democrats don't negotiate further off of that $2 trillion package that they came down a trillion dollars off of. And if they, if they negotiate any off of that, then he won in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I guess looking down the road, if what he's, he's saying, he's signing these executive orders and I'll get to the other, uh, the other three um, and nothing happens, then the people still don't have the 400 or the 600 or the 200 extension um, that happens. Then, Politically, in terms of by November, this could be this could come back and, and bite them in, and you know what, though, correct? Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, but but a lot of it is going to depend on the narrative that is being created around this and how capable and able the Democrats are to. Um, to explain to the American people who's really at fault here. And that that shouldn't be uh, a a real problem for them, but um, we tend to know that they can't, they can't negotiate their way out of a paper bag, let alone a wet paper bag. (laughs) Yeah. We're talking with Dr. Wilbur J. Leon here. On the Bassin News Radio Show on the Bassin News Radio Network WCOM, Doc, the evictions uh, order that he signed um, is supposed. The original ban covered mortgages which were backed by federal funds. A nonprofit urban uh, institute had estimated that uh, moratorium covered just over 12 million households. But something to to look at, I, I can see this being just as messy because. And according to um, the measure, it states that, quote, the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the director of the CDC shall consider whether any measures temporarily halting residential evictions of any tenants uh, for failure to pay rent are reasonably necessary to, quote, prevent the further spread of COVID-19. Reasonably. You start getting into those words, and that's just that's, – that's heading to court, reasonably, presumably, and all these type of things. And I can see people trying to sue their landlords or sue their banks because they still got evicted because of the the broad language, it, not just in what he signed, but even in the, the, the original uh, plan. 
So talk about that because it's 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 federal federal funds and this 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 temporary financial assistance or this temporary halt of people who are struggling. But these these different words and these different conditions makes it very very gray. Well, I think the the simple thing to understand to your point is he never promises what he says he's promising. It's always a sleight of hand deal. It's always right. three card Monty. So um he says, you know, he's gonna put a stop us uh, he's gonna put a stop to the evictions. No he's not. And to your point, um things are getting to such a state of crisis that that and, and people are in, in, in such states of, of desperation that all bets are off. So right. no, this is not a this is not a moratorium on evictions as he's claiming it is. He always leaves out and wiggle room so that you know his uh, constituency can can be taken care of. But the thing that's being I think left out of the equation is the the you know the standard narrative or the standard uh the stereotype is that these are black people but right. this is a this is affecting america full stop end of sentence period and this is where you know th- this whole discussion about well the the extra $600 a week that's um you know that's a disincentive for people to work stereotype is we're talking about black people and other people of color but the america is being affected here and that six hundred dollars a week that's not a disincentive for people to go back to work because the one thing that people want to know when they go back to work is they're going to have job security and that six hundred dollars a week yeah getting twenty four hundred dollars a month would be nice but you don't know how long it's going to last. That money's right. being put back in the economy. Those people aren't going on vacation. They aren't buying yachts and tennis rackets. Those folks are going, or, and if they're not paying bills, they're paying health care. Because when they got fired, they lost their health care, most likely. Yeah. So, so he, it's a, it's a sleight of hand move. It's not nearly the moratorium on evictions that he's making it out to be. And there are a whole lot of people in this country that are suffering. A whole lot. A whole lot. You know. And that that brings me, Dr. Leon, to the payroll tax. It, this one, it, I mean, makes absolute no sense. First of all, it's not a cut. It's a deferment. So – it's going to have to be paid if that, if that's the case. Um, and so the taxes will still be due and it, it, it doesn't help the unemployed. Uh, it, it, what does that do to people who still, how is that going to help them in the, in the right now to pay their bills, to, to put food on their table and, and all these other things they need to do, uh, you know, school starting and stuff, all this kind of stuff that, that one, clearly has something to do with, in my opinion with him 
helping those that don't need the help at this point? It does absolutely nothing to improve the life circumstance of labor. It does absolutely nothing. What it does is it contributes to the defunding of Social Security, which is something that Republicans have been wanting to do since FDR implemented uh, Social Security in the 40s. And the payroll tax is a break to business. It's another huge break to businesses. It is going to do nothing to stimulate. There hasn't been a tax break in my memory that has stimulated the economy. It, that whole idea of give the wealthy a break and somehow that break is going to trickle down and rain on the rest of us has never happened. That's why right. George H.W. Bush called it voodoo economics when Ronald Reagan ran on that idea in, in 1980. It didn't work then, and it hasn't worked since. It's just garbage. All it is is a tax break for the wealthy, that money in their pocket. They don't then go out and reinvest and buy machines and and, and open up uh, factories and that ain't happening, folks. That's just garbage. Yeah. And, and that that notion of them, you're right, doing the right thing. Oh, you you give me a tax break, and I promise, <laughs> wink, wink, to help my employees and help help uh, uh, the economy out by doing the right thing. Yeah, they, you're right. Uh, but ask a, a Reagan fan, and they'll tell you how how wrong you are. But you're right; it never worked, and it never will. It, you're banking on well, greedy people who want their bottom the line to go up, right? My my, my question. And that's all you got to look at. My, my question to them is: just show me the data, and I'll shut up. That, that's all. That's all I need you to do, because I can damn sure show you the data where it, that to, to prove it didn't work. So right. Just show me the data where those where that supply side economic stuff doesn't work so so you show me the data and i'll shut up and then he he talks about he 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 puts out the uh signs the uh executive order on student loans again it's a pause tactic anyway i mean it's basically it's suspended to what the end of september or whatever. And again, that in, yeah. in normal circumstances, that's that's a good thing. You know, you want to help people, you know, maybe save it so they can pay off the loans. The best thing to do is get rid of the loans. But but if you do that under normal circumstances, but this doesn't help even a student now that's unemployed, a, a, a young person in their 20s that has student loans or in their 30s that has student loans that's unemployed. It doesn't help them put food on their table right now. It's just uh, a way, and this is why, like I said, people have to look at the politics and and what the actual policy is. As you always say, look at the policy in these cases, and student loans are a good circumstance and normal would be fine. But right now it doesn't help the, the bottom line of people trying to, to just make it day to day. 
Absolutely not. You, you, uh, again, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, uh, one just has to scratch their head and ask, why not? Why is the American government unwilling to help American citizens in a time of crisis, the likes of which we have not seen since the Great Depression? Why, why, why is the heartache and suffering and cries of American people um, going on, going on? Why is it falling upon deaf ears? And, um, you know, that, that's the question that they, that they really have to ask themselves. But, but they can't ask themselves this question in the context of Democrat versus Republican because they have to ask themselves if money in this country is limited, why did the Democrats pass that National Defense Authorization Act giving the administration more money than it asked for? Right. We've got the money to do what we need to do. That's not the problem. Having access to the resources is not the problem. Why did the Democrats vote to pass the tax cut that Trump uh, pushed through the first year or two that he was in office? Why did they vote for that? What did we as Americans get for that other than nothing? That's it. So, nothing. You know, <laughs> so, 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 God bless Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi trying to hold their ground now. God bless them for doing that, and I and I don't mean that. I mean, I mean that seriously. But where were they when that NDA was being was being debated and funded? When why didn't they back um, um, Barbara Lee's request? For a ten percent cut in the bill, why didn't they back that? So that's why I say they got out. So far, they they got outmaneuvered. At this point, we'll see where it all ends up when they're done. But they seem to have gotten outmaneuvered on this, and I think now you know they're they're feeling the breeze when the door opens. So somebody knows that their shorts got cut. They're feeling the, the breeze on their behinds. Going, uh oh. I think, I think, I think we got we another. Got we here. got another term for that. <laughs> I think I think we got played here, and um, so now they're trying to hold their ground. And I think I think it's gonna it's they're gonna go down in flames. Final question for you. What do you make of um, Joe Biden yet again with <laughs> another another mis, misspoken time where he, he talked about uh, how Hispanics and Latinos and Latinas are more diverse uh, within their communities than than blacks. First of all, right or wrong, he could have just left it as they're more diverse than other ethnic groups. He could have said that. I don't know why he went on the black, <laughs> the black uh, uh, thing. Maybe because he knows he's going to get 
what, 85% or whatever for, for the black vote. But what, what do you make of him saying that? And, and, and the fact that Trump and him could try to pounce on the, the race thing, but they so screwed up. They, I mean, if they want to go there, if Democrats and Biden's campaign is smart, they'll let them go there and they can take them out. But what do you think of what Biden said? Joe Biden is like your drunk neighbor, your old <laughs> drunk neighbor that that you that you invite over to the cookouts when you have the family through because he lets you use his 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 uh, woodworking tools in his garage. He's a nice guy, you know. He he comes over and fixes your lawnmower when it breaks, and you know, and so. But he's your drunk neighbor, and you bring him over, and then one of your uncles comes over and says, like, did you hear what this uh, said to me? Said, oh, man, don't worry about him, man. He ain't hurt nobody. Just give him some more bourbon and leave him alone. <laughs> I give fall him. asleep in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, you know, your aunt comes by, he just tried to smell my hair. Oh well, yeah, he's harmless. Don't worry. So, what can you say about that guy? Uh, see, to me, the question is not Joe Biden. The question is the Democrats. This is all you right. got. This is the best you could put forward, really. Right. And we're just supposed to sit back quietly and stick our thumbs in our mouths and go. Okay. At least right. he's not. At least he's not Donald Trump. Trump. Yeah. Oh my God, that's the best you got. God save the queen. That's all you can say. God, God save something. Queen, the king, and a bunch of us. <laughs> Man, if, that's the best he you is, got. Is, look, we we do you take the devil or the demon? Which one do you want? So I mean, Man, shoot me now. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. I hear that, the music. That, no, before you go, let people know how yes, they sir. can follow you and, and, of course, your your book, how they can get that information and, and your book as well. WilmerLeon.com. Go to WilmerLeon.com, and you can order the book from there. I will autograph it and gladly send it to you. And uh, you can find me at SiriusXM 126, Saturdays from 11 to 2 Eastern. And uh, I write for uh, Black Agenda Report, and Hazel Trice Edney syndicates my op-eds. You can find me a lot of places. Just Google the name uh, Wilmer Leon, and all kind of stuff will come up. Absolutely, you got to you got to get me get back to get me your op-eds so we can get that posted as well. So cool, man! I I I got one in my head. I just haven't written it. I got I got one. Uh, Don't believe the well. why trust the polls when the election is already rigged? That's the next one coming out. I'll get it out by next week. Mm. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. You Be got careful. it, buddy. You too. Take care. All right. All right. All right. Dr. Wilmer J. Leon, of course, uh, political scientist, syndicated talk show host, um, and the best-selling author right here on the Bachelor News Radio Show. Take a break. Get our next guest on the line. Stay tuned.
Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. to the show. We thank you for joining us. The Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill. We go back to the phones. Thank you for listening. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line. Listen to some roots, of course. Back to it. I want to bring in my uh, next guest. Of course, he is... Um, Always good to have him on. He uh, is a wealth of knowledge in terms of the uh, screen acting and film and producing, but he's also uh, a sports TV, been a sports TV producer and journalist um, back in the days. So he's a well-rounded individual. Uh, good, always good to have him on. He's Anthony Harris. Sir, I appreciate you uh, coming on this evening on the, on the show. I appreciate being here. Thank you very much for having me. And thanks for your patience, too, on the line there. I um, wanted to bring you on. There's lots of stuff going on in the world of sports as it relates to uh, COVID-19, uh, pro and college, and even you know high school at that matter. Uh, some have been put on hold. Some decided to move forward. Um, and just – the news today hadn't been official, and, and certainly some politicians and some of these kids from the, some of the Power Five schools, in particular the, uh, the Big Ten, are putting pressure on these presidents. But it looks like the, the Big Ten will be the first of the Power Fives that have decided to opt out against playing football this fall they're looking at uh i know the commissioner and some of the presidents want to play spring football and that's going to be uh logistically a nightmare in itself but i i just we know anthony why they're doing it even though they can print money all day especially the, the power fives and and the, the pros but and and i think if, if you're on the side of caution you wonder why these these uh, 
uh, people don't seem to have the the morality to to not play. The kids want to play because they eighteen and twenty. They think they're still invincible, even though they're getting as sick if not not more than older people. Yet they there's some that want to play. But what do you make of this? And 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 is this a big blow to the power five. Can we see the ACC and the SEC and others follow suit like the Big Ten? I think it's possible. I've heard that uh, maybe sometime this week we may get an announcement from the Pac-12 regarding their fall sports. Uh, You know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 combined to play the Rose Bowl, which is one of the big uh, bowl games. And it's a big conference as well. We may get word that they may also cancel fall sports this year. Um, so yeah, I, I think the situation is is ever flowing. It, it, it's changing. I think out of out of reasons for being safe, these college presidents, under a great deal of pressure, especially from the the, the top the, the top five that you referenced, a great deal of pressure. Right. They are are. Um, erroring, if you will, on the side of safety, but there's a lot of, as you said, there's a lot of money involved here, and you also have to consider the TV networks. Uh, College football is a big industry and a big um, programming uh, uh, builder for network TV. You look at ESPN, Fox Sports, the regional coverage, they rely heavily on college football programming. So, they may have a, a, a word in this as well as time moves on. And you realize that with the NBA and, the, uh, and some of the other pro sports, they went out of their way to make sh- – well, they created the bubble to find a way to accommodate those TV contracts. That's a big part of this here that I don't, that I don't think a lot of people are considering just yet. But, but you know, I, I guess to – even with some of the, the young people, that it, it's it's for me it's irresponsible. I mean, if you want to harm yourself and play, that's one thing. But this virus is not it, it's not connecting like that. You know, the masks are to protect you from other people. And if you don't want to wear it or you want to play in an environment, even with no fans in the stadium, we see what baseball's going through. They're on the brink of shutting it down. They got more teams, the Marlins, the Cardinals are getting sick. So even the, the, the kids, I mean, you're 18 and 20, you know right from wrong. And and I think it's very irresponsible for people, um, the coaches, the players, Jim Harbaugh coming out saying, here's the facts, making up stuff, which is dangerous. Um, when you do that as a coach and as a person out there just because you want to play, um, I think it's very irresponsible, very dangerous, and they don't seem to get that the more we don't shelter in place or practice what the uh, medical professionals are telling us, the longer this thing will be around. And all you're going to do is stop and start, stop and stop. And in the, in the midst of it, you'll have their – estimating it maybe is rough that 300 to 400,000 people will be dead by the end of the year because of this. I agree with you, but we know, I mean, we were both young at one point, I guess I'm speaking for myself here, but we were both young at one point and at least, you know, teenagers and, and, and of that age. Right. And you can, and at that age, you consider yourself invincible. And when you lose something that's so important to you or, or, or when you're on the verge of losing something that's so important to you, you don't like that. 
So you couple those two things in your your in your the, the myth of your invincibility and the fact that you, you you're possibly losing a sport that you love, losing the opportunity to play a sport that you love, you 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 throw caution to the wind and you don't really care about those things. So it's not surprising from my perspective to hear some of the athletes going forward and playing, but I'm also hearing some hearing from some athletes who are not playing. I, I, I've come across a few who have said that they will not, these are college athletes who have said that they won't play. They're not doing it. And, and again, that number is minute. That number is very small. That number is not a game changer. But there are some who are taking into consideration that their health. And that goes with society in general. There are people who view this virus as a myth. It doesn't affect me. I don't have to worry about it. I'm an athlete. I'm in good shape. I work out all the time. And we know there are people who have, who have succumbed to this virus who think that way. But, hey, the, 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 you know, there are people who feel that way, and, and, and they still have succumbed to it. So I agree with you to a certain extent, but the reality of the matter is that young people have always considered themselves as invincible, uh, strong, and, and, and things along those lines. And it's not surprising to hear that the majority of them uh, view themselves as, as uh, not affected by this this virus. So, as I said, there are some who um, don't think who 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 are willing to um, sit out and not play and, and realize the situation until it gets better in terms of health. Well, I'm not saying that I'm surprised. I'm saying it's wrong. Is what I'm saying. Oh, I I, I, I'm I not surprised either. I'm not surprised either that people are doing it because you know sports is a microcosm of of society. You got people that think it's a myth, you know, um, and and our own folks uh, are buying sipping that Kool Aid without sugar as well. Let me ask you this: You mentioned some some athletes that um, have decided to sit out. And this is pro, too. The NFL is the plantation, so they're going to play. I don't care about any other <laughs> any other league or whatever. They're going to play because that's what they do. Um, but you had some NFL players that are going to sit out this year. They got, you know, young kids and babies at home, and they don't want to, you know, um, expose them. And you have other players at Power Fives and some of the small ones at UConn. I know they're football uh, they canceled their football. They're not, a, 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 of course, a powerhouse football team, but they come from one or the other uh, bigger conferences. Um, and some of these kids are, are, are sitting out not just for COVID-19, but they're using this also. There's reports out there and some stories. They're using this also, Anthony, as a, 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 a spot and a position to talk about, look, we also are concerned about our conditions. We also are concerned about um, the fact that we want um, wages or some kind of compensation. So they, it's almost like that that politician that wants to pass a bill, but he puts all his pork in it, all this other stuff that has nothing to do with the bill to try to get that through. That's sort of what they're trying to do. How successful do you think they can be from that standpoint? The other part of it being some of these athletes are – uh, saying, you know, they don't want to play until racial conditions are better. How successful can they be in some of these demands that they're making, uh, being a little woke, knowing that they are the the uh, the folks on the plantation doing all the work? Well, it depends. Uh, we did see what Colin Kaepernick did, and, and though that was a very right. subtle, uh, to, to some, that was a very subtle uh, response to uh, injustice, how the forces that be initially 
uh, turned on him. But uh, in terms of college athletics, we've seen a number. I remember back when the Mississippi uh, Confederate flag issue was, this was back in, I believe, June, the Mississippi Confederate flag issue was a, was a big topic. A number of college athletes, blacks, said that you got to take that flag down. I'm not playing here no more. And you saw that Mississippi, uh, the state of Mississippi, uh, ruled against the flag. So, yeah, they have right. the power to a certain extent. But, you know, as I said, the Kaepernick example is the prime example because the forces that they turned on him and they whiteballed him and he was no longer able to, 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 to perform his craft. So I'm not sure how far that can go. I applaud the athlete to do that. And I, I've always uh, applauded athletes who use their power for social justice, uh, you know, regardless of being an athlete, we're all human beings. So I applaud them when they do that. I think it can be powerful, but it just can't be one or two, as in the Kaepernick example. Right. And then, and then in, 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 in his metaphoric death as an athlete, then everybody gets on his side and says, yeah, he was right three or four years later. That can't be the case. It has to be a, a, a unison, a unity, uh, where these athletes come together and do that. For an example, uh, this may be a little different from what you're talking about, but in terms of um, uh, college sports, Howard University just recently got the, the brother from Kenya, top five recruit. I believe his name is Makor Makare. I may be pronouncing that right. He's a top, rec- mm-hmm. top recruit, and he chose to go to Howard. That type of decision-making and, and that type of influence may change things. He, he spoke of another friend of his who is a uh, junior in college, who's another top recruit who, who shipped the out in school, I believe, in 22, 2022. He talked about him also possibly doing the same thing. And these are, these are top basketball recruits going to HBCUs, which was unheard of. So that type of, of uh, uh, intentionality can be very helpful in terms of changing things and moving things in a different direction. But it can't just be one or two. It would have to be uh, much, more, much more athletes doing that. Just joining us, we we'll talk with Anthony Harris. Uh, he's been a sports uh, t- uh, TV producer and journalist here on the Bachelor News Radio Show and the Bachelor News Radio Network. You you brought up Howard, Anthony. And that's where I wanted to go. There are some schools um, that want to play, and and again, we know what that's about. But the HBCUs, you know, if if Power Fives or even a small PWIs are being affected by this and shutting down, just imagine what's happening with the HBCUs. And I, I, I just, uh, it's, I just wonder what they're thinking because the 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 long lasting effect um, to me, if they try to play or try to fill in. I know A&T was looking at some things. They, I think they voted against it at the, at the end of the day. Miles College still hasn't um, confirmed that they're not going to play fall sports, including football. And there's some others out there that want to do it. And if we're struggling under normal circumstances at our HBCUs to keep the doors open, no endowment money and things of that nature, again, why risk the health and a long uh, term effect of keeping your doors open um, with some of these these historical black colleges and universities at this point? Well, um, that's a good question, but I, I think for the most part, they, the, the uh, HBCUs, 
have been some of the first schools to either suspend or cancel um, some some of their uh, programs. I know the uh, the CIAA and and the SIAC right. they uh, they suspended they suspended all fall sports. I know the MEAC and and the SWAC are, are are also doing the same thing. I applaud them because we don't know this this virus is a mystery. This virus is a huge right. mystery. Uh, and 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 quite frankly. Um, the if they were to uh, buck the trend and go against the wind and go ahead and play, and then you know have a catastrophic situation where lives are lost, that would that would ruin these these institutions probably forever. So those presidents can't take that risk, and we, we know the the economic situations that they're already under. They can't take that risk. So I applaud them for initially getting out in front and doing it doing it earlier and getting out of there and doing it soon. And, and really looking at college sports, it's basically, especially football, it's really impossible for them to create a situation, a safe environment to play under these conditions. We see what the NBA and the NHL are doing in terms of the bubble situation. And you reference baseball. Baseball is putting itself in, 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 in extreme jeopardy by what they're doing. And, and I'm just saying that the bubble situation is probably the best way to go about it because we're hearing that basketball and hockey are, are, are going along smoothly. There's no COVID test. There's no COVID um, issues popping up. They're getting tested every day and, and things are moving slowly. As an aside, <laughs> as a citizen of this country and, and, and with the healthcare uh, issues, it is very, very frustrating and very sad to hear that the NHL and the NBA are, are doing daily tests to everyone in the bubble and they're getting their results back quickly. I don't know what you've experienced, but I've experienced family members and friends who, one, can't get a test quickly, or two, when they take a test, they can't get it back. They can't get the results back so quickly. So, you know, that, 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 that's another story for another time, but it just shows that when you want to do something, you can do it, <laughs> and the money is there to get it done. It just is unfortunate that um, these sports uh, leagues are able to get these things done much quicker than uh, people's healthcare situations. But more to your question, and that's, I, 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 yeah, go ahead, please, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a, a valid point. I mean, you can go back to Magic Johnson getting AIDS, and boom, he's cured. It's all about the money and 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 the uh, the money with the influence and the quick um, responses, like you said. You and I, 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 I've heard the same thing. I know the same thing taking a week to get results and things of that nature, not getting calls. I know family members that got tested and didn't even get a call. They had to call to find out what was going on. I mean, just a total mess. But these, these athletes and, and you know, certainly in your field and other fields, that they, if you have the money and the influence, then you don't have a thing to worry about, at least as far as getting tested, and that's unfortunate. And like our previous guest said, the money is this. This if this is the richest country on the planet, we can we can do this. We can get people tested like that. But we know what exactly. it's really about. Exactly. And and that that brings another issue. And yet you talked about the possibility of spring football. And I mentioned the T V contracts with college football and how heavily ESPN, CBS and, and the major net Fox and the major networks rely on that, that Saturday um fall football programming. Um, right. It, it, to me, it, to me, it speaks to how sports serves as a huge distraction 
huge distraction to this society. And, and, and it's important to keep people distracted because then you don't have people protesting in the streets. You don't have anarchy when people are able to focus on what's really going on. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I appreciate sports, but there has to be some level of, uh, of perspective. You know, it, it's entertainment. It's not the most important thing in the world. You enjoy it for what it is. You appreciate the athleticism. But the key part here is that don't count out the possibility of these, these college leagues uh, um, uh, still trying to play fall sports because it's very, very important to the distraction of society that happens. That's just an aside to what's really going on because those – the, the, the ability to distract, because you remember, if you recall, one of the major uh, issues that people had with Kaepernick was that they did not want to see, they did not, they wanted to enjoy their sports. With so much going on in, in life, they did not want to have someone kneeling during, the, during a three-minute national anthem interrupting their opportunity to enjoy sports. You follow me? They didn't want to – yeah. that distraction, that distraction was so just, important. Just, just dribble the ball. Just, just dribble the ball and catch a touchdown. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that is very important to some people, that distraction. So without that distraction, you have people focused on other things. Now, in terms of where the mind is, you can take it to positive things or, or, or positively trying to change things, or you can take it to, to, to negative things. But – that the distraction of sports is very important to this society. So I don't, I don't count out the possibility of something happening where um, college sports, particularly, particularly in this case football, makes some way to make sure these leagues play in the fall. Or, or like I said, if, if, if not in the fall, perhaps in the spring. Let me ask you, just to stay on this, we're talking with Anthony Harris here on the, uh, the Bachelor News Radio the show. Let me ask you this, though. As it relates to sports, to me, Anthony, uh, the social conscious of a nation uh, of a nation throughout the years and the decades can be seen in sports. Not just Kaepernick, but going back, you know, Bill Russell and, and Jim Brown and those guys way back when in the, the '60s. And I mean, a lot of athletes are athlete. Black athletes have been and the civil rights movements going back even before that. You know, uh, 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 Arthur Ashe or anybody else that goes way back, Wilma Rudolph, going back to to way back in, uh, you know, some 50, 60, 70 years ago have been and longer have been involved with it. So we should be used to it. However – the distraction, I think, Anthony, uh, has overcome us. So now we're like, I don't care about the Washington football team and their their struggles, Native Americans trying to change the name. I don't care about Colin Kaepernick kneeling. I just want him to throw a touchdown. We buy into the European mentality of, of sports. And I think, too, I'll take it a step further, I think sports is one of the worst things that happened to black people in this country in terms of excelling. Because they already, you know, we was already the fiddler back in the day and, and entertaining white folks and dancing around and doing all that stuff and um, uh, singing songs for them and stuff. Now we take it to modern-day times and we're the dominant in so many sports that 
I think we've lost our way. Like that's if we, I guess I'm saying if we could have taken over anything else, sports should have not been one of those. Let's be let's be the the greatest actors and actresses, even although that's entertainment, or doctors or lawyers or something. But sports, I think, just kind of. Uh, exasperates what white folks think of of us anyway, which we're just entertainers. Just shut up and play ball, that kind of thing. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I find that I find that interesting because um, the 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 interesting thing about sports too, you know, like you said, you know, we kind of lose our way in it. But had we, and, and this could be said for so many other things too. You look at entertainment, music. Had we kept our eye on the ball and not been so focused on integrating. Integration was one of the things that really hurt us and, and during the 60s. There you go. The, the concept of really right. wanting to be, to be accepted and be validated by, 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 by white people, that really, really uh, affected us. So sports, like so many other things, I mean, like I said, entertainment, the music industry, even acting, as you referenced, those areas, the, the focus was not us building our own. The focus was get your money, get out the get out the hood, or, you know, get out the black neighborhood, and 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 live your best life, if you will. So so uh, I agree with you, sports, but sports was was a problem. But it's not just sports. It wasn't just sports. So had we had we kept our eye on the ball and then been able to build, you know, there's no reason. There's no reason, you know, with with, with uh, so many things going on right now, especially in this day and age where you have technology and everything. There's no reason for us, black people, to have some type of uh, building ground in sports other than relying on going to predominantly white white owners to have us to have us play. You follow me? It really is kind of kind of sad right now. I know I know that uh, you know Derek Jeter is, is the owner of the of the Marlins, and we we have a few others, but nothing 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 in the way where it says that we are key players in this. And I know even in the NFL they have the the Rooney Rule, which in my opinion it, you can't you is a joke. Exactly, you cannot force people to do something. You know, people who you can't force owners to do something in a profitable business. You can't. You really, really can't. It's well-meaning. It means well, but you see how they how they subvert it. They subvert it every time. Every time. Every 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 end of the season when a coach, you know, when there are coaching positions that are available, they they they, they subvert it all the time. They like the Giants. The Giants brought in Joe Judge, the the coach, and and, and other teams bring in other coaches, and you never hear about a black coach. The coach at Stanford, I forget his name, football coach at Stanford. And he rarely Shaw. Hears it. You, mm-hmm. Yeah, you rarely hear David it. Shaw. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so, there's, so there's not really anything where we have collectively built within our own and where we built something within our own to, uh, to, uh, to, keep, to keep us, uh, well, not even to keep us, to make us more viable in, in, in these sports outside of just running, jumping, and, 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 and scoring and all those things. Yeah, and I, and I often say, you know, uh, our, our quest to, to be integrated, infiltrated a lot of what we were. You look at the Negro Leagues and everything else. I mean, we, we were thriving, but we wanted to this, – this sense of having to prove ourselves that we are just as good instead of, you know, 
a, a building on it or getting in and then having knowing that power, like we talked about with the athletes, the college athletes, knowing, look, I'm the one doing all the work. Now we want to, we want our seat at the table. Instead, we just want to eat. We don't want to be at the table. We just want to eat and go our, 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 our merry way. And I think that's part of the problem. Talking with Anthony Harris here on the Bachelor News Radio Show. If you have a question, hit us up, 646-929-0130. And chat room is open as well. Um, I, I see in the chat room that the Mountain West uh, has canceled all their fall programs. The PAC is going to meet Tuesday um, at noon and the WAC is meeting Wednesday at noon. So maybe more to come. I want to bring in my good friend, Tony T. Mac McLean, longtime friend and colleague and, of course, editor of a BASN Newsroom. Good evening, sir. Hey, guys. How you doing, Mr. Hey. Harris? I'm good, brother. How are you? Good, man. Long time. It's been a while since we've talked, man. Yeah, it has. It has. Uh, to to further to further uh, what you guys were talking about, you know the the thing about the Negro League to me, and, and they're always a little closer to my heart over the years because they never it was never really about integrating with them. I always felt like, you know, especially the folks they ran it. Their whole thing was you don't want us to play in your league. Okay, fine, we'll make another league, and we'll be better and just as good. You know what 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 happened to that sort of spirit over the years? Well, I, I can only I, mean, I, I can only I mean you may know more than I, and, and I agree with you that, that the foundation of the Negro Leagues was okay, cool. And, but that was the foundation of us back then. If you look at Black Wall Street and so many other communities, they were like, okay, cool, that's how it is. Okay, let's do our setup over here. We'll do we'll do fine over here because y'all segregate. We'll do our setup over here. We'll build our own and we'll be fine. I think over time, um, uh, there were moves done by uh, whites, more specifically in in the in the Black Wall Street situation. They just they just uh, 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 bombed that. They just took over that. But in, and and in, in other situations where there were white, I'm sorry, where there were black self-sufficient communities, they did things like urban renewal, where where they just put highways right in the middle of black communities that just knocked down homes and just changed communities and and allowed um, and, and and changed those communities specifically in terms of sports. I don't know specifically, but I would not be surprised if things similar to that happened that ended the Negro Leagues. I know it was a financial situation that, that hurt, and then there was the push, to have the, the push to have these athletes play in what was supposed to be the best league, uh, you know, the major leagues, the best league ever. And through, through economics, the Negro Leagues kind of uh, fizzled out. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, the thing also, you know, that um, – Branch Rickey never financially compensated the Kansas City Monarchs for taking Jackie off of their roster. Now, it was a little bit different situation, I guess, with the uh, Cleveland Indians and the Newark Eagles in regards to uh, Larry Doby. But especially now, you know, a lot of, you know, you, 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 know, you guys are talking about, you know, activism. And, 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 and like I said, it's been around for a while, you know, Ali doing what he's done, uh, Jim Brown as, as, as well. 
Um, other than LeBron and a few others, who who are some of the folks? Who are some of the folks that you look to that that have successfully sort of you know taken the baton from from the folks from back in the day? Hmm, that's a tough question. That really, really is a tough question. Um, I, 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 it's hard to say. I have to be very honest with you. It's hard to say. I mean, obviously there's Kaepernick, but he's not really playing. Um, that's hard to say. I, I, I'd have to give that some more thought. I really, really would. I'd have to give that a lot more thought because, um, yeah, I'd have to give it a lot more thought. Just as an aside, though, I'm concerned in terms of what I'm seeing now, in terms of uh, what, what the NBA is doing with Black Lives Matter painted on the court and, and names on the back of the jerseys and everything. I mean, everything's become symbolism. I'm just yeah. concerned. I'm exactly. just concerned. Yeah, I'm just concerned that the symbolism is going to get morphed into really doing stuff. Now, I did see that uh, leagues are putting in money to to help. Uh, communities and things like that and, 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 and everything. You know, Michael Jordan put in some money as well. But I, I just don't want it to be a symbolism situation. And my, situ- my, my view of LeBron may be a little different from others if everyone, everyone applauds him for his stance on certain things. Mm-hmm. I will say this, though, that, you know, you see a lot of the players wearing, uh, putting names on the back of their jerseys or, 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 or causes on the back of their jerseys. Mm-hmm. I did appreciate the fact that LeBron chose not to do that, and he basically said, basically saying that there are other things that I can do other than putting something on the back of my jersey. And, exactly. and so basically he's saying that, that I'm going to do something more, less, less symbolic, and really try to do the work. So I, and moving forward, I, I would like to see that uh, and, and those things that go wrong. And, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, maybe you guys can help me out because I'm, I'm missing the name right now. I think, I think this brother in the NBA, I think he retired. But he played David West. David West was his name. He yeah, played for yeah, the Golden yeah. yeah, who played for the Golden State Warriors and he won a title David with the Warriors, I think and I think he retired. He played for the Spurs. He played for the Pacers. David West is someone to answer your question. David West is someone who I admire uh, greatly because he, again he and he quietly does the work without the symbolism. Uh, I used to I I've not heard anything it's it's funny because I recently thought about checking him out on Twitter because I used to follow him and I hadn't heard anything from him in a while. But he quietly did the work. I don't know if how many of you or, or your listeners are familiar with the great historian Dr. Yosef Ben, uh, Dr. Ben, Dr. Yosef Ben Yaakov. Okay. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. passed away. Just passed exactly. away. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He passed a few years ago, and David West paid for his funeral. David mm-hmm. West is David West is someone who, who who puts in that work, and he does it in a way without seeking uh, notoriety, and and he knows about the history of his people. So he's someone that I, that I admire, uh, to, to answer your question. All right, thank you. You know, I, I want to stay on this with you guys, though, in terms of symbolism, because, um, the, you know, the other side, they they live by that. You know, let, let one of the sports heroes or actors and actresses or president or whoever pass on, and they are just, you know, it's a sad day in America, you know, and they just lose their minds. We we weren't sort of, uh, you know, trained or brought up like that, and so symbolism seems to be uh, has has been a problem. I would think both of you guys, uh, Anthony T Mac, um, 
it has been a problem for a long time, not just in most recent times where, you know, the, you know the uh, the NFL is going to do the uh, Black National Anthem and sing, you know, lift every lift every voice and sing. The NBA's got the Black Lives Matter painted. That's all. And, and what happens? It seems, guys, we get caught up in that. We oh, we overcome. Uh, we got we had Obama, so I mean, we we we've arrived. So if they're doing all this and and talking about we, when they, all these slogans, we're in this together, and all this foolishness is what it is. It's a diversion. Um, that's that's very dangerous for us when we're in a climate now, T Mac, where we can bring real change. You have people really strong arming um, all these uh, institutions now, strong arming them, but we can't get into somebody painting something on the on the floor of the NBA court or somebody wearing unity on the back of their shirt or whatever. That's not enough. That well, clearly yeah, it, and will it, never be enough. And see, and see, look, let's be honest, and I've said this a bunch of times on this show and several shows, white folks love symbolism because they know it's not going to cost them anything. When, see, when they get up, when they get upset is when you start talking economic uh, equality. You know, you know when, when Dr. King, when Dr. King was waxing poetic about I have a dream, they were cool with that. But when he started talking about, you know, the, 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 the immorality of the Vietnam War, within a year he was, he was dead. And there have, you know, it's not going to cost the NBA anything to put Black Lives Matter on, on, um, on the court. Hell, you probably go to the website and you'll see these jerseys being sold. It's, it's just like when Major League Baseball every April 15th has everybody and their mama wear 42, but then the problem of less blacks in baseball is still there on the 16th. Um, it's, you know, and see, you want to try to say, well, it's a noble thing what they're doing. Not, not really, because the, the the thing is, we have to realize our power, in a sense. And see, when every time you say that, people get, you know, you know, pe- people feel threatened. Anytime we try to better ourselves, all of a sudden, we're, you know, we're trying to you know, quote-unquote, knock the white folks out of their power seat. But here's the thing, and I think I can, and I, you know, I think when I say this, I speak for a lot of folks. White folks' biggest fear is us waking up one day and doing to white folks what has been done to us. But I think with the majority apart, of us... Apart, apart, apartheid and everything else, you're right. Go ahead. But, but the thing is, we just want to live our lives. You know, I could, you know, I just want to live my life. I want to make sure I'm okay, my family's okay, my relatives and friends and all that other stuff. Now, if a white person's going to flex on me, <laughs> you know, yeah, we're going to whatever. I've never started a fight in my life. I've ended a bunch, but that's a whole other story. But the thing is, <laughs> they're, you know, they have spent so much of their lives trying to define us in their eyes and then when we give them a different picture than what they're used to seeing, there's something wrong with it. And and, right. and that's and, 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 and that's the thing. I don't want to go too far off, but I think it, it's something that needed to be said 
but and also in regards to sports because look that whole you know trying to keep quote unquote politics out of sports uh those horses those horses left the barn door years ago and they're never coming back and they shouldn't right because because of it because see the thing is their problem is they want to be able to control the narrative it's okay if they prop up Joe Lewis to go up against Max Schmeling in the you know in the Olympics but when but 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 when John Carlos and Tommy Smith dare to raise awareness with black power all of a sudden they you, you got to remember the same people that applauded uh Jesse Owens were the same people that wanted to ban Carlos and Smith for life. So you have to, you've got, to, you know, you've got one. You've got to be aware of, of 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 the history, and you have to be aware of the manipulation that has been, and to a lesser extent, it's still going on. And I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but it needs it needs to be acknowledged and it needs to be said. Absolutely, and and well said. Anthony, you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I did, and, and I just want to go back a bit. I, I, I was allowed a little a little bit more time to think about athletes who I admire in terms of uh, what they're doing for the community and things like that. Maya Moore, uh, WNBA yeah. player, she, um, she she's not playing for a year, and she got a brother out of jail who was wrongly imprisoned. That type of that type of stuff. That should be put on blast every day. What she's done and what she's doing. She she's in the prime of her career, probably not making, oh, definitely not making the amount of money that that a LeBron or Kyrie or anyone is made, or Kyrie Irving is making, and she put her career on hold to get a brother out of jail, who was wrongly imprisoned. That 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 there should be movies made about that, and she should be put on blast every day for what she's done. If I may, uh, piggyback sure. on what the brother was just what the brother was just saying. And, and, and he took it a lot of places, you know, outside of sports, but, but, we're, but we're all human beings living in this society and, and, and black people living in this society. The thing that's very interesting, and I'm sure you've all heard the statistics that by the year 2030 or 2040, the predominant number of people in the country will be um, so-called people of color. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I am of the contention, this may be somewhat controversial, and I'm open to, to exploring it, but I am of the contention that, White people are well aware of that, that they are possibly – they're fighting for the survival of, of, of their race uh, based, on right. their, their pro, based on their procreation issues and things like that. We've all heard stats about them, uh, the troubles that white people have with producing uh, children. So as a result of that, they need to, to keep – they need to be at the top. They need to be in power and they need to be in control. And everything that they do – is as a result of that. It, it, it's a very insecure uh, attitude, a very insecure behavior, but if you really think about it, if you sit back and non-emotionally think about it, everything that they do is to keep them in control and at the power because they fear their genetic annihilation. And, again, we can explore that further in another time or anything like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to exploring that conversation with anyone. No, that's and that's fine. I just want to... Ask you, uh, Anthony, if you're in a, if you could get in a, a different spot. I'm getting some um, 
some kind of static feedback there, and I will come back to you and T. I want to bring in uh, one of my other colleagues and, and, and longtime friend. Uh, he is the uh, owner of KRSB Radio in Philly and play-by-play voice, Orlando Big O Hughes. Uh, good evening to you, Orlando. We, we, we're talking. We, we've been talking about, of course, um, some of these colleges now. These Power Fives are looking at canceling their fall season. Certainly uh, the the Big Ten seems like that's where they're going. Um, Mountain West is not a power five, but they're they're known. They they canceled. Pac-12 is looking at it, uh, according to uh, uh, Gary. And the WAC is looking at it as well. So you're seeing these. um, But we also Mm -hmm. talked about how HBCUs need to be – they've taken the the lead on close some stuff. We've had some – uh, some of them wanting to try to play, but that hasn't happened. But just the 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 overall picture of the the pressure that athletes, especially black athletes, can put on on some of these institutions, um, not just for COVID nineteen, but the safety of regular players, the compensation of of players, and talking college, and and even the the racial injustices that we see in this climate that want people to bring forth change. And we we we'd mentioned that you know we've been fighting this in sports in particular, you know, with the Jim Browns and Kareem's and. And uh, even the the subtleties of a Kurt Flood doing doing what he did and having to sacrifice what he did in terms of being basically uh, just branded as a bad player and moved around, um, that we've had those situations, but we can't be in this uh, position uh, in this client um, utilizing and accepting symbolism seeing some logos on the back that say unity or peace or, you know, for George Floyd or anything. Oh, that's all symbolism. We, we have a chance to, I call it strong arm, some institutions in this country all across the, uh, the gamut. So, so symbolism at this point is not going to work. We got a chance to make our voice uh, heard in the, in the, the best possible way that we haven't seen in quite some time, since the 50s and 60s, in my opinion. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And um, good evening. I guess I, as I tuned in, I heard the the uh, gentleman speak, and what he speaks of is Fear of a Black Planet, you know, the, that Public Enemy, their, their third album. Um, that, that was the theme of that album. And he's exactly correct. Uh, when someone's in fear of their livelihood, they will do anything to maintain their livelihood. Um, and we, we speak on this uh, on, a, on a number of occasions that when we approach them on a business sense that we have to remove our emotions out of it and think strategically and, and think business and business only. Um, as it relates to the Big Ten and the WAC and uh, the MAC conferences and all of that starting to cancel their season is because they realize what Stanford, what the Ivy League schools, and I've always said, look at the Ivy League schools um, because they're supposed to be the smartest of the smartest. So if they cancel their basketball season, if they cancel going to school, if they cancel this fall season, that's telling you that there's a financial number um, regarding risks that they're not willing to exceed. And now the other conferences are catching up, and their math is starting to see that 
we're going to assume some liability if I have an athlete that has a condition uh, that COVID could, um, like, they're not even trying to say you won't catch COVID. But if, if we, like, use us, for example, uh, we have a preexisting condition. Well, COVID a- a- exaggerates that. So it may be a heart situation to where we have a heart failure later on in the year, maybe in the next year, we could say this was contributed because I was pressured to play in the COVID situation. Um, and, and as you mentioned, uh, the opportunity for us to make changes. Yes, this is an, is, this is an uh, excellent opportunity. However, I, I'm starting to feel more of a push in the other direction that it's just more a matter of being uh, – uh, symbolistic um, that we're, we're wearing a, a starter jacket coat that, you know, say their names and all of these different things. We're not seeing enough. I'm not saying it's not happening, but we're not seeing enough. So I, I, I'm worried and, and I'm always concerned. And I, I voice that on this show and other shows that we have uh, uh, the symbolistic, symbolistic people taking advantage of this movement. Um, the Jim Browns and Kurt Floods and all of that are nice, but they're, they they serve no reference to, you know, your kids and my kids because those are our elders. So it's hard for, you know, the rest of the kids, like our kids' age, to know who they were and what they done. Like that, that's out of sight, out of mind for them. Right. Anthony Harris, it, what's more dangerous? Is it the – we talked about – how in the past we've had um, situations where we uh, we wanted to prove that we were, you know, just as good, if not better, than the other side. Um, is it, in this day and age, is it more dangerous to have those Candace Owens and and people that 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 elk, or even people, black people who are naive? to the change that really needs to happen, the two who are naive to what you said in terms of uh, white people's survival and what they will go uh, out of their way and what they will do to survive their uh, and protect and, um, their race. Is it more dangerous for us that don't understand it or buy into their way or just the, the supremacy uh, of of white folks uh, as they try to, as Tony said, try to keep their power and their position and money. Yeah, can you hear me better now? Absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah, I moved. Um, I just, in, in a nutshell, we we as black people have to uh, number one have these sorts of conversations amongst ourselves so we're clear on what's really going on. We have to move in our direction in our own best interest. And we can't be we can't be so focused on other 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 things that are not in our best interest. Candace Owenses and people like that are a dime a dozen in this society. But that shouldn't stop us from 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 having moving in our own best interest. That should not stop us. I mean, you have other uh, uh, racial groups that that don't raise as much hell as we do, and they they and they are self-sustained, they're self-sufficient, and they're doing fine. We should no longer. Uh, be so concerned with the sidebar situations and really just focus on our own best interests. Another, right. if I may, if I may, another another thing that kind of comes to mind in terms of athletes moving in power in college football. I've had the opportunity to do a little research now. <laughs> in college football, 
uh, this running back from Oklahoma State. The brother's name is Chuba Hubbard. Uh, outstanding running back. He's a junior at, at, at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. The coach at Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, was seen wearing a T-shirt of a right-wing uh, news media outlet, o- OAN. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but, but OAN, it's, it's worth right. Fox News. He was seen wearing yeah. that T-shirt, and, and, that, and that, that brother just basically said, I have a problem with that. Uh, I'm not thinking of playing here anymore. You've got to change that. Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy, the football coach at Oklahoma State, did all sorts of mental gymnastics and, and, and leaped all sorts of hurdles to make Tuba Hubbard feel comfortable, and it was a mistake. I'm not doing it again. That, that type of movement, that, that type of power is what we need to see from athletes because in a nutshell, they do have the power. Many people talk about the NBA being a player's league. You hear that so often, and, and, and in a certain extent it is but they don't really exercise that power the way they do. They exercise the power in a more selfish way in terms of getting their contracts. Perhaps now with this social justice moving on, moving on now, it can be uh, wielded in a different way. You know, but how about taking it a step further too, um, T, because we know Mike Gundy at Atlanta. We know Mike Gundy has a history of not only – racial stuff but saying stupid stuff and doing stupid stuff yeah he keeps his job all the time he he's been at oklahoma state and said things and and done things in the past and yet he keeps his job you know if they really and i i i hear what uh anthony is saying uh t but if they really wanted to um uh make a a strong statement and if this kid it, you know, understanding and his, his, his strength in numbers and solidarity, um, voice wanted to clearly be heard. Again, strong arming. Mike Gundy should be unemployed. If 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 the if, if people are getting mad, there's a there's the uh, the team. Correct me. Um, you guys will tell me. One of the WNBA teams, their one of their the co-owners is a senator. Thank you. The senator in Georgia, right? The senator. Right, the senator in Georgia has a problem with what they're wearing and Black Lives Matter and everything, and and they're ready to run them not off the not just off the team but off the planet. But Mike Gundy, the coach, can wear some racist T-shirt and keep his job. But they want to get rid of the players. So again, how far do we want to push this thing? How how far do we want to strong arm this thing? You should want is the question. You should you should want to strong arm it, but you also have to remember also. Who's a who? You know, right now, especially OSU or some of these other white institutions, who has the power? You know, the, the, to me, the strong. You know, the, the strongest statement he could make is to go play for Langston in in Oklahoma, or go play like, like the kid at Mississippi State. You know, threaten to go play at uh, you know Alcorn or what have you. See, symbolism. Look, we as black folks. Symbolism doesn't do shit for us. Excuse my French. Symbolism doesn't do anything for us. We've lived, you know, we've we've gone through the quote-unquote, you know, symbolism stuff. You know, but the thing now is about economic power. It is about it is about you know using your influence and 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 everything else. Being able to say you're the first black at something is nice, but that but that novelty wears out. And see again, white folks are willing to do the symbolism, but when it's time for them to do economic 
and, and other chains, that's when you get the brushback. They're not going let, to, let, let's be honest, they wasn't going to, you know, unless, unless Mike Gundy, in a sense, was found in bed with an eight-year-old, they weren't going to fire him. <laughs> let's be real here. I'm, and I don't mean to, right. but we have to, we have to be, I am not saying what you're saying is not important, but we also have to realize that you notice there's certain things, let's be honest, there's really certain things white folks ain't going to do. And they're only going to be, and they're only going to do it if it if it goes to the scene. If it, because look, it's like it's like with Daniel Snyder. Daniel Snyder didn't wake up and have a come to Jesus morning. Amazon, um, uh, and FedEx and all of them said, "We coming after your money, fool!" And if you don't change the name, that's when you so you know you're going to be out there by yourself. So no. Daniel Snyder is still the same pompous little ass that he was when he was saying he would never change the name. The only reason why he's doing it now is because you hit, he got hit in the pocketbook. And that's what we have to do overall. And see, that's the thing that people forget that Dr. King was doing. Because see, again, whenever you hear them talk about Dr. King, they do the I Have a Dream speech. They never show the... Um, the the, um, the the speech against uh, the Vietnam War. They never talk about the one where he says y'all need to cut the check. You never hear them talk about the the speech where he talks 